Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey guys, Kyle Sutherland here, and I want to welcome you to this bonus episode of the Hog Talk Podcast brought to you by Heinemann Services in Northwest Arkansas. Joining me today is Ron Calcagni, who from 1975 to 1978 went 25, 4, and 2 as a starting quarterback for the University of Arkansas. He'll tell us all about how he got to Fayetteville playing for legends Frank Broyles and Lou Holtz, upsetting number two OU in the 1978 Orange Bowl, and much more. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on any forum you listen, and also take a couple of seconds to write us a review and let us know how we're doing. Thank you, as always, for your support. Well, Coach, we'll start off by uh, welcoming you on. Uh, for those that might have missed the intro, we got Coach Ron Calcagni on, former Arkansas Razorback quarterback in the mid to late 70s. And with you being a teacher and a coach at Pulaski Heights in Little Rock, Arkansas, what has it been like for you these past couple of months that was initially a long spring break that turned into an extended summer break? Kyle, you said exactly that, you know. I can remember the date to now. It was March 19th when we kind of set ourselves at home and kind of, you know, doing some Zoom uh, with our with our student athletes and, and our students with all the, you know, again, I'm a physical education teacher and health teacher. So, you know, my, my role was just to help everybody else out. You know, we gave we gave all our students, you know, a, a packet in reference to, you know, workouts, but we didn't feel like it was going to be this this long, but it's been an extended break. And, you know, now we're trying to make decisions what to do and how to go about things in reference to our sports, which, as we all know, you know, high school, college and, and professionally now in the middle school, which I coach, you know, it's, it's not a rush. You know, it's not a rush for us. And I'm not I'm not pushing any buttons, trying to push any buttons to get things started because, hey, you know, we've got to be safe. Uh, and, you know, we all got to have our social distances and do some things. But we're just looking to see how our high schools do in Little Rock School District and the surrounding areas. And we're just on, we're just on ready basically and sitting tight. And you guys have been able to be in shirts, shorts and helmets since June 1st, right? So you have been able to do a little bit up to this point. Well, Kyle, we haven't, uh, the middle schools have not done anything at this point. We haven't brought our kids together. We haven't, uh, you know, uh, done anything with them. So uh, it's the high schools that are basically doing those type of things and, and sure enough, you know, they're, 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 they're doing the best they can. And, you know, we're just, we're just waiting back and seeing for direction. Now, we won't start back in, uh, until basically July 17th, which we come back on contract, you know, and now we're on summer break. So we're just, we're just on, on hold. Well, well, we'll get into your career right before you became a Razorback. So you're a native of Youngstown, Ohio, and very successful All-State quarterback there. And you had a good relationship with Bo Rain, who I believe at that time was maybe the quarterback's coach at NC State. And you had committed to him right before then he leaves to go to Arkansas to be the offensive coordinator under Frank Broyles. How did that process go? Were you more committed to playing for Coach Rain, more committed to playing for NC State? Did you just want to be under him? What what was it? What, what did that process, what was it like? Well, Kyle, you know, you mentioned – uh, Coach Bo Ryan, you know, that's how you pronounce his name. Oh, Ryan. Ryan. He, okay. he was on the staff with uh, Coach Holtz at uh, NC State, okay, and and they were recruiting me and all, and, and you know, there was a lot of different other schools that were recruiting me at Youngstown, Ohio. 
I was, uh, you know, an option quarterback that, uh, you know, we ran the beer offense in high school. And, and so I made some different types of events uh, to a lot of different schools. At that time, you can sign letters of intent to all the different conferences. So I was fortunate to have an older brother that I followed and, you know, and he taught me and you know, we taught, got found out some life lessons uh, that mistakes that he made, you know, he and, uh, you know, he had a great college career. But, you know, he 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 and my dad, you know, said, hey, you're going to sign with every single conference and then you can make your decision from that. And of course, you know, Bo Ryan was recruited by Frank Worlds from the staff of Lou Holtz. And uh, Bo was my main recruiter, uh, you know, from the, from our area. And and so Bo took the job at Arkansas with Coach Burroughs' staff. And so I made a trip and I fell in love with Arkansas. And, um, you know, basically it's history. I was a three-year starter for, you know, Coach Frank Burroughs for two years and two years with uh, Lou Holtz. So when Lou Holtz came in, he was like, Cal Cagney, you don't have a chance in hell to play for me. You've got two strikes on you and three strikes, you're out. First, you're not a man of your word when you signed with me at NC State. And second, you're not tough enough. You can't play for me. You know, Coach Holtz knew what type of buttons to push and all. And, and I sat up in my chair nice and straight. And I said, Coach, I'm going to show you that I'm a man of my word. First of all, I was 18 years old. And I told him the story about uh, my older brother being recruited. You know, he wanted to go to that Italian Catholic school. That yeah, was his dream. And he made a commitment to them. But they de- decommitted to, to him. And that was Notre Dame. But uh, and then in reference to answering this question about being tough enough, you know, my sophomore year, I missed the last uh, basically five games of the season, which, you know, we didn't win very many games that that year. We lost probably four of the five games uh, because, you know, we didn't have a a, a quality top quarterback to step in and and take control. And sure enough, I was just, you know, just steering the ship basically for Coach Brawls and those great players that we had. But, uh, you know, and, and I told Coach Holtz that I was going to be his starting quarterback. And, of course, you know, I was for two years and we had some great years and you know, won a lot of ball games. We've been in a lot of great bowl games. We played in the Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, and, and I played in some postseason bowl games. But, you know, the greatest victory and greatest game was the Orange Bowl when we defeated Oklahoma, uh, the number two ranked team. And, you uh, you know, it was an upset victory. You know, we were three touchdowns underdogs, and it's a day that always follows me. And and as that game grows longer, that game, you know, is the greatest upset in college football history. I, that's that's my saying, how, how I feel about it. You talked a lot about Coach Holtz there. He had said when he first came in that you had two strikes against you already. For Coach Burles was from what I have, have seen and heard was a pretty hard nose was, was a tough coach to play for. What were some similar similarities and differences between coach Burles and coach Holtz from the get go? Well, again, you know, coach Burles, you know, he was in college football for many, many years, very successful there at Arkansas, you know, had some great football teams and had some great players that, uh, that he coached. And, you know, he was on his last few years in reference to, you know, making his quest. You know, he was the athletic director and, and head football coach at the time that, that I was with Coach Burles. And then he stepped aside and here comes this fiery guy that, you know, came from, you know, William and Mary, head football coach at William and Mary, head football coach at NC State, North Carolina State. And, you know, Coach Holtz was coming from, uh, you know, professionally ranks, you know, the New York Jets. You know, he was coaching a guy named Joe Namath, Joe, Joe Willie Namath. And, 
you know, and he's coming back to college. You know, he didn't really fare well in the pro professional ranks, but, you know, Coach Holtz had a lot of lofty goals, you know, those types of goals. He, you know, he wanted to win a national championship, wanted to be successful in all walks of life. And and sure enough, you know, Coach, Coach Holtz, you know, he was attention to detail. He knew what buttons to push. And, uh, and he sure did a remarkable job his first year coming in there. You know, we won 10 games that year, and we ended up uh, – you know, like I mentioned, uh, the big victory against Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. We ended up uh, ranked number two in one pool, number three in another pool. And so we were we were awfully close to of, of winning a national title, which we thought at that time we, we should have, uh, you know, taken hold of the national championship. But that year, you know, uh, a team called uh, Alabama, you know, took uh, ranks of, of, of the top spot. Well, and in 1977, that was what I'm not trying to bring up any bad memories here, but that Texas game, you were blatantly face masked. There's no oh question about that. And yeah. that, that, I mean, that game would have sealed the national championship for you guys had you w- would have won it. Kyle, you're exactly right. You've, uh, once again, you know, you, you, you uh, did your homework on that. I'll never forget that. It's one play that, and one team that I'm always, you know, been upset about because you know we were so close you know it was a great great teams you know we had a, a great offensive of team but defensively we were really really strong we had a lot of great players and you know of course you win championships with great defense but uh you know that was a a big game you know it was russell Ertz laving against uh, basically uh steve little and then we had a they had a great back named earl campbell that made some made it broke away on a, on a, on a couple of plays that really hurt us. You know, we really stalled him all, all, uh, afternoon. Um, and we were playing at home and I'll never forget. We were in the red zone. It was third down and about eight or nine yards. And, uh, you know, we were knocking at the door in the red zone and went on a little option play to the left, came up a, a yard or a yard and a half short. And sure enough, there was a blatant face mask and I jumped up and, you know, got into the officials, you know, mentioned, you know, face mask and the official just looked at me and basically he might have had his hook em horns uh, sitting down low. You know, <laughs> you know all, all the officials at that time, basically, and, you know, Lou Holtz got this changed. You know, he complained about, you know, we were the only team in the Southwest Conference, which was from Arkansas. All the rest were from Texas. And, uh, you know, these officials were basically from Texas. And uh, so, that's when Lou Holtz complained and made a, made a strong statement that there had to be, you know, at least one official from the state of Arkansas. Talking about that OU game, I, I did a little bit more. I, I've known about it my entire life, of course, as you mentioned, maybe the big, uh, if you ask an Arkansas fan, it is the biggest upset in college football history. I do tend to agree with that. Lou Holtz famously said right before the game, and I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember it quote for quote, but the last 11 out of the locker room are the ones that are going to start. Is that actually true, or is, did he did he really say that? I've actually never heard that confirmed. Yes, sir, Kyle, that was exact, exact words. And, you know, there was before that game, the game was delayed uh, because of the uh, the Cotton Bowl went over, and, uh, and, and then we found out that uh, the number one team was defeated. So in that locker room, you know, Coach Holtz was doing some of his stand-up comedy, basically, and magic and all. And, and some of the players got up, the Dan Hamptons, uh, the Jimmy Walkers, uh, 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 Jackson. Uh, but uh, there was one guy that got up uh, named Roland Sales, and he said, I've been sick all week. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm going, oh, my gosh, I was sitting in the corner. 
And, uh, but he says, I'm going to play my heart out and give you all you all for you, my, for my teammates. And then of course, the last saying was when Lou Holtz said the last 11 guys going to have to start, you know, Lou Holtz, you know, talk about motivating, you know, he, he said that to the players and the doors just busted open. But then again, he, he saw me in the corner, put his hand back and says, Hey, you, you and I are going to be the last ones out. So we had the last talk to each other in reference to, you know, the plan, you know, he had that folder in his back pocket and those checkered, checkered pants and red, white checkered pants. He says, Hey, you and I and Steve Little are going to win this football game. I go, what do you mean, coach? You always say there's no I in the team. He goes, no, you're going to direct it on the field and I'm going to direct it in the, on the boundary and we're going to win it in a kicking game with Steve Little. You know, the opening sequence of, of plays. Okay. You know, the first four plays, which he said, no one else is going to handle this ball. You know, he knew what buttons to push because, again, prior to this game, he dismissed three of the starting four backfield. And needless to say, I was the lone one in that backfield, along with Roland Sales and a couple of young guys and Trent uh, Richardson, you know, a, a Stiggers and uh, guys that were didn't play a whole lot. So sure enough, you know, we kick off to, to OU and our defense played great job and they held them. They turned the ball over and about the. You know, the 11, 12 yard line. Sure enough, here we come knocking at the door all the way down. I take it down to about the half yard line. Here comes my roommate, Bruce Hay from Blyville, Arkansas. You know, sometimes he would come in with the play and he'd forget, right? He'd say, right? And he said, oh, gosh, dang it, I forgot the play. And I'd have to, you know, call a base play or whatever. But this time he came in the huddle and says, right? 34. That was a call base, base handoff over the right side over our great Kalenda, you know, Shoemaker, our center, and, um, you know, some of our great players. And sure enough, Roland Sales' first carry into the end zone, touchdown. And so here again, Lou Holtz was doing his magical motivational. You know, my, as you look back, you know, Roland Sales' first carry of the game was a score. And to that day, you know, that day was one of the Roland Sales' biggest days. He broke an Orange Bowl rushing record. Over 205 yards, it was broken a few years, this past few years ago. So that record stood for a long time. And But uh, Lou Holtz was a, a, just a magical musician uh, of uh, making, uh, knowing what buttons to push on each player and, you know, what made players tick. And sure enough, he did a great job. And the staff we had and the plan that we had, you know, we, we just, it was one of the greatest victories uh, against uh, the Sooners. Yeah, two of the players that you had mentioned were suspended that Roland Sells were taking the place of was legendary running back Ben Cowens and Donnie Bobo, who both contributed for 78% of the offense that year. Now, we, we don't have to go into the specifics of, of the suspension or anything, but once you guys found out as a team that that was going to happen, that you were not going to have your top two running backs, was there... I, I, I imagine there wasn't fear, but what was there any kind of sense of oh man, like we're already 18 point underdogs, we're still going to be that we're still going to be uh, favored as or they're going to be favored, we're going to be the underdog regardless of the situation. What what was that was did Coach Holtz just make sure that you guys didn't lose focus in the task at hand, or was there ever really any doubt? You know, Kyle, that's a, that question is a great question. I'm glad you asked that, and you know, I'd love to tell the fans exactly what went on, but here, here's the situation of that, you know, prior to us breaking, uh, to go to the, my, down in Miami, you know, we had, we, we had these practices, you know, coach Holtz didn't think our team was tough enough. Here he was using the word toughness again. And, you know, so we worked in the, in the indoor arena, you know, just offense against a uh, defense and it wasn't ones against twos or ones against threes. 
in reference to offense and defense, it was ones against good, good on good. He says, we're going to get after it. And sure enough, adversity struck right there. Our left All-American guard, Leotis Harris, goes down with an injury. And Coach Holtz made a statement afterwards. You know, he, we were all upset. You know, here's, here's Leotis Harris, one of our best offensive linemen. He had a great career with Green Bay Packers and a long career, professional career. But Holt said, he told, told us, he said, hey, we're going to have three crises that happen before we go down to Miami. You know, and this is one of them. When you're losing a teammate of uh, Leotis Harris. And then sure enough, we break and we go to our perspective home, home for the holiday before we met back up. And I get a call on Christmas Day from Lou Holtz. And I'm thinking, he's going to wish me a, a Merry Christmas. You know, I was awfully nice to cook. But no, he says, Ron, the first I'm talking like Frank Burles now, excuse me, but he said, he goes, uh, you know, we're, we're going to, we're, we're, we, we had to dismiss three of the starting field for, uh, for backfield and, you know, they didn't, they didn't do right. You know, he had to do right rule. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I did right. He says, we had to suspend. He goes, and you're going to have a lot of people call you, some media people call you and everything, but hey, you make no comment. He goes, what I want you to do, I want you to, as soon as you land in Fayetteville, before we get on the plane, I want you to come see me. And uh, so, you know, again, you know, here I sat in his office. I went to see him and he told me about the plan. He told me about how we were so prepared, you know, Larry Bechtel and, you know, um, uh, Kenny Turner and our and our great offensive line coaches you know, had a great plan, a little wrinkle in our blocking scheme. He says, we're going to win this game and we're going to win this game big. And um, and I believed him. You know, he was he was pushing the button, letting me know that, hey, you know, don't worry about it. You're, we're going to get this thing. And that's when he mentioned about the plan, what we're going to do. He says, you know, this plan better than anybody else. And he told me, you know, you know, he put this folder in front of me, he says, hey, check check out the, the first first few plays of the game, the opening sequence. And sure enough, it was me carrying the ball. He said, no one else is going to carry that ball. So he was pushing buttons. He was letting it know that, hey, you know, he knew what he knew what buttons to push on me because he knew that, you know, I was a competitor and I wanted to, you know, I wanted the rock in my hand. And uh, but, you know, we we overcame that adversity. And, you know, of course, we were three touchdowns underdog that day. And then it went off the board. You know, there's no bettings because it was they thought uh, the Sooners were just going to destroy us. And, but we all stuck together and we worked together. We played together and we relied on one another. And that's what, why we won, you know, 11 games that year because of the camaraderie that we had in our locker room, you know, the togetherness that we had with our players and we believed in one another. So the next year was your senior season That's and right. you guys were preseason ranked number one. Now everybody remembers, I think the, the infamous sports illustrated. Now I think that people forget how, especially my generation, we talked a little bit before we started recording. My, my generation remembers the Clint Sterner days and Ryan Mallett, Matt Jones in the late seventies, the Razorbacks were, went to the final four. Sidney Moncrief was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in February of seventy-eight. You, Ben Cowens, and Coach Holtz were there in September of seventy-eight. And then that following spring, we were in the College World Series final with Coach Norm DeBryan. It was a big time to be at the University of Arkansas then. What was your first thoughts when you heard that you were going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Kyle. You know, you're you're, you're painting the picture so perfectly for everybody. You know, that was the greatest years of uh, in Razorback football history, of course, in my era. I'm, you know, again, as a player and, and a former player and my, all my teammates and stuff, you know, all the different sports were very successful. Why? Because, hey, 
you started at the top with a guy named Frank Brawls. You know, Frank Brawls, what a what a what a great administrator, you know, what a great visionary, you know. He, but you know, we were so thankful that we had great coaches. But again, it starts with your players too. You know, you got you don't have great coaches unless you have really good players. And we were for, so fortunate and to be donned that cover, you know, that cover. You know, I'll never forget, you know, when they came in and to do that. It took us all, almost a whole half a day to do that. And, uh, you know, and then when Coach Holtz, you know, he was the first one to see the cover. You know, he said I was going to be the second one. You know, he, he, we had our meeting again. I'm sitting in front of his desk and, you know, his Razorback chair. And he's got his his, his pipe puffing on Piping. Okay, yeah, you, you ruined this picture. This picture's ruined. I'm going to see it forever and ever and ever. He goes, look at it. Attention to detail, son. Attention to detail. And I said, Coach, what do you mean? My chin shaft's not buckled. I understand. You know, we weren't, we were at stage. You know, my, my hair's coming out of my helmet. Is it my mustache? You know, I'm trying to figure out, make excuses. What, do you, what does he mean? I ruined the picture. He said, look at this picture, Cal Kegley. Attention to detail. There was a string hanging from my V of my shirt. He's, he says, those little things what makes great players. You've got to do everything perfectly. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, something that I'll never forget. And it was a great, and I see that photo and I see a lot of times now it's, you know, erased out of there. You know, I signed so many of those things throughout the years. And sometimes there's a string hanging and sometimes there's not. <laughs> well, and that, that season didn't turn out quite like the one before. You guys still were successful going 9-2-1, and one, uh, going tying UCLA in the Fiesta Bowl. But you look back at your overall career as a Razorback, you were 25-4-2 and two as a starter, which I believe is still number one to this day. What's your overall favorite memory, whether it be individually or as a team? I know, obviously, the, the upset over OU is probably – at the top or close to it, but maybe just individually, what would you say that your, your overall favorite memory was? Well, you know, there's a lot of, you know, my teammates, you know, I think about you know, the games that we won and, you know, how we, how we prepared and how hard we worked and together as a, as a group. But, uh, you know, if you have to look back to successful year that we had the orange bowl year, I'll never forget the Texas A&M game where we were on national television and, you know, we were down and, um, you know, it was getting late in the game in the fourth quarter, and I'll never forget, uh, you know, Lou Holtz calls a play, and, you know, I overthrow a, a pass down the sideline. You know, he was he was, he was was a little, little pretty, pretty bit open. So he came right back with that play, and it was a big, big play uh, to Robert Farrell down the left sideline against uh, A&M down their sideline, and I'll never forget, you know, as I was – I laid that ball up down the, down the rail, and, uh, you know, I got hit, and I didn't – see if he was a completion or not. And I heard, you know, from our crowd that was there, we had a great following and it was a, you know, a, a, a touchdown to Robert Farrell, which put us ahead, which uh, made that uh, magical season most memorable for me. Right after your career at, at Arkansas, you went to the CFL, played a few years there before you got into coaching. What was more of a culture shock, Ohio to Arkansas or Arkansas to Canada? <laughs> hey, you know, I haven't seen that frozen tundra. We played in games where the, the grass and the turf was as frozen uh, solid and they had to plow the field. But that sure was a culture shock. And but, you know, it was a great uh, memory. And I enjoyed playing in Canada for three years. And, and and then I coached in Canada and I coached in college for about 25 years. And but, uh, you know, it's it was a, a, you know, a good experience to play professional football in Canada. 
And one of the stops that you made was at the University of Oklahoma. And was that right after – that was your first coaching stop, wasn't it? I know it was early. Well, that, that stop at Oklahoma, that was after Oklahoma State. You know, I was you – know, there's two types of coaches in this business, a coach that been fired and a coach that's going to get fired. And I was in coaching for many, many years. And, and sure enough, as I was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, you know, we didn't – you know, we won maybe six games that year. And, and they made a change in the staff. And – you know, I had my family there in, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So, you know, Bob Stoops was from Youngstown, Ohio. And, you know, we beat uh, Bob and his, his crew uh, that year and um, or the, his first year, excuse me, his first year. So I went to OU as a as a basically a grad assistant coach. And I helped I ran the scout team. I ran the I coached the safeties, you know, a guy named Roy Williams. And and that was the year that we went to the national championship. I'll never forget it. And so I took a job after that year at um, the, the new league, the XFL, and uh, went with the New York, New Jersey hitmen. So that wasn't a, that wasn't a very smart mis- uh, decision to do. And of course that folded up. And, and then that's when I, you know, got basically out of college coaching and went into uh, coach at Arkansas, uh, the, the twisters and the river blades. And I did that for, and then ran that, that, that organization for about five years and, and then basically I got got into leaned on my college degree and and now I've been coaching for about 10 years at uh, in Little Rock at Pulaski Heights Middle School. I know you were at the University of Houston for a little while. What was uh, it like having a Heisman Trophy a Heisman Trophy quarterback and Andre Ware 30 year receivers? Well, let me tell you something. You know, you know as a, as a player, we all as a you always had visions of being an All-American and the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, those type of thing. And how does that happen? Sure, you got to have a good football team to make that happen. I know I know. in years past, you know, Paul Horning won that Heisman Trophy winner. But Andre Ware, you know, here was a guy that, you know, had an opportunity to work with. And, you know, as a, as a coach, you always want to make your players' dreams come true. And, you know, Coach Jenkins and myself and Jack Pardee, you know, we – we all played the game and we all, you know, had our careers, but we wanted to see a magical year. And we did all we can and challenged our players uh, to uh, to win those awards that we once wanted to and made their dreams come true. So it was a it was a great experience. I also had an opportunity to recruit him and also recruit a guy named David Klingler, which was a wishbone quarterback. And I believed in him. And sure enough, that young man, you know, he was a debut to Brian Award-winning quarterback, smashed all of Andre's records and touchdowns things, and he was a number one draft choice also. So, you know, it, as a coach, that's what you live for, to see success, and you look back and you try to make these uh, players' dreams come true, and it, it, it's very rewarding to be called coach. And one last question I've got for you. I know that for, especially with someone who experienced the amount of success that you did while you were at Fayetteville and for former players particularly of the last maybe 10 years that experience under coach Petrino, coach Nutt, saw some of the highest of the highs. It's been really tough the last two, three years for Razorback fans, former players. What do you think of coach Sam Pittman, the reputation that he has and what he'll do for this football program moving forward? Well, I'll tell you what, one thing, he has great integrity and he's a good Christian man and he, and he, he lives by the, the rule, golden rule of life. And, you know, he cares about his players and, you know, he's, he is the on the utmost of the best as an offensive line guru. OK, you know, this guy was successful as an assistant football coach. And why was he successful? Because his players played hard for him. They, he got everything out of him. And what he's going to do is going to transpire into being a, 
you know, a head football coach now. Okay. He's got, he's, you know, he's got a strong staff. He's hired some good people, the people that believe in him. And, 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 and you can see by reading between the lines and everything, how his players are responding. But this, this guy hasn't had an opportunity to step on the field, blow his whistle or whatever. Uh, but he's trying to build those relationships and that's what he does. And that's why he's been so successful because relationships are so important. And when you have good relationships, good things happen. You know, you look back in years past, you know, when we were very successful, we had relationships. We had good relationships with our coaches, good relationships with our players. We all worked together for one common goal, getting that victory. And to get that victory is a lot of hard things, a lot of things you got to sacrifice. But I think Coach Pittman well, is going to do a good job. We just got to give him time, and uh, we would love to see the Razorbacks get to those glory days as years gone by. But it's going to take a little little. Uh, little effort on the players and, and support of uh, the state of Arkansas to, to stay behind Coach Pittman. Well, Coach, it was an honor speaking with you, talking about the glory days, as you just mentioned, from your perspective, some of the greatest times, and maybe some would say the greatest times in the history, and, and at least in, in terms of Razorback sports history. And I uh, really appreciate you taking some time out to talk to us with, about it. Well, Kyle, I appreciate it very much, and thank you for allowing me to reminisce on on the days gone by, it brings back great fond memories of all my great coaches that in relationships that I've built with them and then and all our, our players. You know, you'd love to, to to see them all again, which we do when we go to games. You know, we, we back the Razorbacks. We as, as Letterman, you know, we go to Letterman's Club and we meet all together. We reminisce on days gone by and everybody's gotten so much better. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, just a lot of fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun to, to, to meet your, your, your players and your coaches and and just reminisce on days gone by. And we're looking forward to following our Razorbacks and, and just believing in them and giving them all we can uh, for them to be successful. Well, that will do it for this bonus episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. My name is Kyle Sutherland. Thank you guys so much for listening. For Coach Ron Calcagney, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.